Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Ah, yesterday was, let's talk about it, Tuesday, church folk day. And oh, did we have some stuff to talk about. But we landed on the six-year-old boy who shot his teacher. Yes, now they've got new information out, well, at least as of yesterday. And uh, we found out that not only did he intend to shoot his teacher, but this six-year-old reportedly told her in a hand written note by himself, he wrote the note, that he wanted to light her on fire and watch her die. Ooh, baby. Well, not only that, there was a teacher, an anonymous teacher, who uh, had been on the, you know, laying up in the cut, noticing some stuff. And uh, she talked about how on one occasion, this same six-year-old threw furniture around and other items around in the classroom and had all the other children scared and hiding underneath their desks. And this same teacher told about an account where this same six-year-old boy barricaded the doors to a classroom and prevented a teacher and the students from leaving the room. Now, you know, if you were here yesterday, then you would have heard my, like, absolute disbelief that this six-year-old could cause so much chaos Because the six-year-olds here in New York, I don't know about the six-year-olds in Virginia, but the six-year-olds here in New York, they're really not much above 
like your knee. They reach maybe your hip, maybe your hip if you're an average height. And that's for me. And I'm sorry. Last I checked, I can be the six-year-old. <laughs> now, we did get a report from a teacher yesterday that said, you know, you can't restrain the children. You can't... Uh, you know, do this and you can't do that. And, you know, if you do and there's a lawsuit, you're on your own. Well, I would pass the Charlotte that said my chances because ain't no way in the world I'm going to allow a six-year-old who I'm supposed to be and have authority over over Stephanie. I did that just ain't gonna happen. That just gonna happen. Well here's the funny part. If you <laughs> if you tuned into yesterday, you uh you got Pastor Jeff's uh statement that that demon child would have to be out of his class. <laughs> and Pastor KL wanted to know, well was this a classroom of midgets? And we were cracking up yesterday because, in all honesty, this is this is just at a level of disbelief. There's, you know, even with this restraint um, issue, and you know, we can't do these things as a teacher or whatever. It, 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 this is just too much. It, it's just too much. And you know, there's still a few questions that have gone unanswered. And I'm sure because of these unanswered questions, there's going to be more stuff just pouring out as we go along. So I say I'm going to keep up with this story, uh, me or Vivian, and um, we, we, we just can't let this one go because we really got to see this one through because I know there's more coming down the pipeline. Well... We also discussed the wild story for Tuesday. I had to steal Vivian's wild story. I don't know what she's got today, but yesterday I had a wild story when the pastor died while trying to imitate the resurrection of Jesus. Yes, the 22-year-old pastor who took at least three of his congregants into Tying him up, digging a ditch, you know, a, a plot, dumping him in there, throwing the dirt on him, and expected that in three days they would come back and find him alive, that he would resurrect himself. That's pretty much where we are. Well, they say... That, um, hmm, they were kind of shocked when they went back and found out that he was dead. Yes. And do I have to tell you that this happened in, uh, some area of Zambia? Yeah. Well, listen, here's a good thing. They do listen to It's Due Time and pass with Pastor Staff in Zambia. Yes, I just checked it this morning, and I had no idea. You know, it's, I missed it yesterday because I wanted to say where they were from. But I was looking at the map this morning and kind of pressing where the blue spots were, which is an indication that that's where we have listens. That's one of the at least 48 countries, and Zambia was highlighted. Well, 
the good part is we speak sense. We speak, we speak true biblical stuff. Not this made-up stuff that they got going on out in the world. So hopefully some of the Zombians, <laughs> is that what I'm saying? Is that what we call them, the people from Zambia? This Christian community, uh, yeah, they'll listen a little more to Pastor Steph and the D-Time crew. And, um, you know, yesterday we spoke about how you know, they, you know, he's really responsible for taking down the church members because you've got those who actually helped him to dig this plot. And then you have those who knew about it. And I'm, I'm not thinking the wife knew. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not thinking she knew. It doesn't really say she did or she didn't. It just says that he left a young pregnant wife um, behind. So I'm thinking, you know, hopefully that if she did know, she would have had a little more influence on him than the church. The congregants we got that would help set up something as twisted as burying me alive. I don't need those congregants. No. We, we got our, you know, everybody got their own issues, but Lord knows I don't need those who would follow me to that point. I mean, this is like the Jim Jones and all of that where he, you know, talked them into drinking the poison juice, and they did. I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, you know, I don't need these kind of, you know, congregants because they, they are supposed to help you just a little bit, aren't they? <laughs> so I don't know. But that was a wild story for me yesterday because, you know, again, what our, what our congregants do is one thing. You know, sometimes we can't always catch them before they do stuff. And they come to us and they let us know the craziness that they've done. There are other times where they discuss things with us, you know, before it actually happens. And we advise them not to do it. And uh, they do it anyway. And then they end up coming back to us again. But for the pastor to be the one who concocted this particular um this plan, quote unquote, and people actually said, Okay, that's very troubling on both sides. I, I have to tell you, I'm sorry. Maybe y'all don't expect more from the, you know, parishioners. I happen to think otherwise, you know, but here we are. You know, proof that people are just completely led astray. And now you got one of the, the three who helped bury the ditch, he, you know, he, he, he turned himself in. So now, you, what did you do to them? Now, they are, they are criminals. They are criminals because the law is not going to look at them as some sheep who are really, really, really led astray. The law ain't, the law ain't looking at it like that. They're looking at it where you helped to kill this man. 
So he didn't turn himself in. He probably got to give the other two names. And we'll, you know, I wish I could see what happened. I really wish I could see how the judge and or the jury is is, is going to handle this matter. I'm really interested in in finding out. And, you know, I did ask our pastoral team to tell us about the strange things that they have, you know, seen in church. And, I, you know, I thought Pastor K.L. Had a, had a former life. That Pastor Jeff, man, I don't know if y'all have picked up on this thing. Pastor Jeff got some stories. Pastor Charlene and Pastor K.L. talked about, you know, the, the, the pastors or the preachers who feigned walking on water. But Pastor Jeff did them one better. He took a guest with him to church, had to step out momentarily. And uh, when he came back, they had her. (laughs) It's not funny. Oh, my God. In the middle of the church with a sheet over her with some Bibles stacked on her head trying to cast out the demons. Man, oh man, oh man. Come on, people. It came out yesterday again. Study to show thyself approved. I think that's going to be our, uh, uh, our our slogan for 2023. All righty? All right. That's how we spent our Tuesday. So uh, go back and listen, because it was quite some episode. You will not be disappointed, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. All righty. Today, wow, Wednesday. And you know how we do it over here on this due time with Pastor Steph. It's Ladies' Day, and it's Ladies' Day from 7 o'clock all the way through nine o'clock, and man, I, I I can only imagine what Vivian has coming down the pipeline, and maybe, just maybe, we'll get to our scheduled topic that we haven't actually gotten to in about a month now. Vivian and her news. So, listen, go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that. It's due time when Pastor Steph is on and go nowhere else because we'll be right back. According to the International Labor Organization, approximately 2.5 million people become victims of human trafficking every year. Human trafficking involves the use of force or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Traffickers will often make promises of a dream job, lifestyle, or desired relationship to lure their victims. Once they have their victims, they will often use physical violence or forced drugging to coerce them into certain behaviors. The most common form of human trafficking is sexual exploitation, followed by labor exploitation or modernized slavery. Victims typically identify as female and are predominantly girls under the age of 18. Those that are runaways or in foster care are at the highest risk. You can report any instances of suspected human trafficking to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, 
the National Runaway Switchboard, or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And today is Wow Wednesday over here. And while, you know, there's some people thinking about and trying to figure out how they're going to get over a hump day, we don't think about that yet. Because we're too busy rejoicing in the Lord, ministering, being ministered to, laughing, enjoying one another, enjoying God, enjoying the conversation. It sets the tone for the rest of our day. So we don't have to figure out what we're going to do, how we're going to you know, get it done, how we're going to make it happen. God has already figured that out for us. So let's give God thanks that we have even made it to this, you know, part of the week. Can you believe it's early Wednesday? Wow. Well, I know you don't want to hear much more of me, from me. Let's hit up our girl Vivian and see what she's got. Good morning, Vivian. Good morning. Happy Wow Wednesday. How are you, Pastor Seth? I am well. Thank you, Viv. How are you? I'm mad. I'm mad because you done, you done outdid yourself with that wild story from yesterday. I ain't going to be able to ever talk that. <laughs> Girl, I doubt that. Just gave you a little, <laughs> you know, stir up to get your stuff together for this morning. What do you have for Socially Conscious today? All right. Today on Socially Conscious, we are starting with a new bill that is in the works of being passed that will make it harder for employers to fire employees. They are calling it the Secure Job Act, which would require employers to give at least 14 days notice and a written explanation before terminating an employee. If passed and signed into law, Employers would also have to show proof of economic hardship before laying off workers. They are saying this is a good move for people with jobs without unions like fast food employees and retail employees. The bill would also limit employers' ability to use data collected by electronic monitoring and discharge decisions. Electronic means including but not limited to video or audio surveillance, electronic employee work that, you know, determines their speed of how, you know, accurate they're working and things like that. They can only use electronic monitoring if they, one, show there are no other particular or practical means of tracking or assessing employees' performance. Two, the employer used the least 
invasive form of electronic monitoring available. And three, the employer providing notice to the employee of that monitoring. Now, I think that this is definitely a bittersweet situation uh, with the way that this world is going. Could you imagine being an employer and having to tell someone 14 days in advance that they will be fired soon? That gives these people too much opportunity to do some very strange things. Or at least that's where my head went. And of course, this is a really good thing for others who need that job security But this is definitely a dangerous game. Now you're taking away their ability to use electronic monitoring. That's a lot of the times how they catch these people stealing and things like that. So it sounds nice, but it's definitely going to cause some some drama in a lot of these employers' lives and these companies. So next we have a very hot topic here on It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And that's the migrants and the homelessness in New York City. According to reports, city workers and volunteers fanned out across New York City's five boroughs last night into the wee hours of this morning for what they are saying is the annual count of homeless individuals living on the streets and in the subways. Apparently, this is called the annual hope count. I've never heard of it. Um, It comes at a precious time, they're saying, where shelters and city services are being overwhelmed by a flood of migrants being bussed up from the southern border. They say two years ago, the city estimated that there were more than 2,300 people living on the streets. It was a lower number than expected, and they're saying that it was likely because a lot of the homeless individuals were offered hotel rooms during the pandemic. The hope count number spiked back up, closer to pre-pandemic levels of more than 3,400 homeless people living on the streets and subways last year. And they are hoping and expecting the results to be more thorough this year due to the fact that the city is using volunteers to do the outreach overnight for the first time since the pandemic began. So some people are looking at this um, in a, like, what's the point kind of way. They're saying that the increase in migrants will increase the number of homeless people on the streets and subways, even though the officials, including Mayor Adams, Um, has said that the surge of migrants is not forcing people into the street homelessness. He said that the city has been abiding by the all rights to shelter laws. Some people say, again, that this is a waste of time, as this annual survey has historically undercounted people, um, and it has very little volume. But the city is arguing that it is important. It fulfills a federal requirement. And most of the time, the results won't come out until the summertime. So I'm very interested to see what our listeners think. Do you think that this count is a good idea? Do you think that they are using this time and the funds? Because I'm sure even though they have volunteers, there are, as they said, some city workers that are being paid to go around the five boroughs and count 
the number of homeless people they see on the streets and in the subways. So do you think that this is a good use of their time and their funds? Or do you think that, you know, like other people are saying, that it is very undercounted? I think for five boroughs to say 2,300 people is what they counted, I think that that's a very low number. And it's not always easy to see, um, to determine who's homeless just by looking at them. These can be, you know, young teenagers that just ran away and they're homeless and things like that. So I don't know about this. And if this is trying to determine some type of uh, number regarding the migrants and, you know, who's homeless from them, I don't think that that's a good idea. But, you know, that's what they have going on. Next, we have some good news with this fentanyl and other drugs, the crisis that is hitting the nation. Officials have decided to stock bars and restaurants with overdose kits. According to reports, New York City has distributed more than 159,000 kits since last year, and training courses are now available. They are saying overdose deaths have been increasing in the city. More than 2,600 New York City overdose deaths were recorded in 2021 alone with fentanyl involved in 80%, the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene said recently. Speaking about fentanyl, reports say Drug Enforcement Administration agencies enough fentanyl-laced prescription pills and powder in New York City in 2022 to kill Tens of millions of people. They say agencies 1.9 million fentanyl-laced fake prescription pills and nearly 2,000 pounds of fentanyl powder. Also, fentanyl saturates the illegal drug supply in New York City and is the factor in roughly, again, 80% of overdose deaths. So it's definitely a good idea that they came up with to stock these bars and these restaurants with these kits. But it's definitely unfortunate, unfortunate that, you know, such measures have to be taken. And now they have to spend and spend out, you know, city funds to equip these restaurants and bars with these kits because this thing is just taking over. So lastly, we have a listener-submitted story. So a man took a trip to a mall of America out in Minnesota with his, quote, Jesus is the only way, end quote, shirt. He was wearing that when he was aggressively told to leave after shoppers had reportedly complained about the message. They said that the message had them feeling offended. The incident was recorded and posted on social media where one of the officers can be clearly heard telling the man whose name is Paul Shuro, if you want to shop here, you need to take that shirt off. The security guard was heard saying Jesus is associated with religion and it is offending people. People have been offended. Uh, Shuro explained in an interview that what led up to his altercation was three security officers expressing that he had visited the mall to hand out a few gospel tracts along with sheets of paper with scripture written on them. He said he 
would have rather gone to jail that day or died than take off his shirt. So a spokesperson from the Mall of America went on to issue a statement saying that the man ended up being, quote-unquote, allowed to remain in the shopping center despite the officer's threat to kick him out for his choice of attire. And I think that this is really ridiculous. We are in the year of 2023. Who doesn't know the freedom of speech? And for them to even cause all this mayhem and ruckus over his choice of attire was absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't matter if one customer or 50 customers came and complained about that man's shirt. Excuse me. Those three security officers should have definitely known better. But now we are up to our wow story of the week. We have a woman who says she was wrongfully jailed and accused of smuggling cocaine. The young lady says she and a friend were being stopped for jaywalking. She said for some reason the officer asked to check her pocketbook. She agreed and watched the officer pull out a stress ball from the purse. So these balls are typically filled with sand. Um, At least in this case, it was. She says the officer cut it open looking for cocaine and accused her of smuggling cocaine. She says she told the officer he was making a big mistake, but of course he didn't listen to her and, you know, took her to jail. So she spent one month in jail while they tested this, this substance. It took one month for the reports to come back, but she still had to wait another four months to be released from jail. So the young lady has been awarded $1.5 million for her five-month stay in jail unjustly. Her attorney says she fell victim to the quota system, which is used to measure officers' performance. He says, quote, They have to make a certain number of cases, arrests, give out a certain number of tickets. And unfortunately for the city, that quota just cost them $1.5 million for a stress ball. Something definitely needs to change. They just give out this money so freely, and I'm sure nothing really happened to this officer. They didn't speak of any... um, Anything, any consequences coming from him arresting her and her spending those five months other than them having to pay her $1.5 million, which is absolutely ridiculous. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious, giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM. And come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners, and thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Vivian. Uh, thank you. Uh, I got some questions. I, I, I missed some stuff. My fingers just weren't moving that quickly this morning. Okay, so the Adam in your second story, what was the statement? I was trying to catch the statement. Something about a surge of migrants is not forcing people onto the streets. I, I want to make sure I have that right. Please. Yeah, he says surge of migrants is not forcing um, street homelessness. 
that the city has been making sure that they are abiding by the um, all rights to shelter laws. So does that mean that there's, there should be enough, is he saying that there should be enough um, places for everybody to stay? That's Am I understanding that correctly? Okay. Yeah, right. the migrants are being placed in, in shelters and hotels that they are not being, you know, forced to be on the street. Okay, because of the the people coming in. Okay, I got you. Thank you. Um, your fentanyl story. You said that they are stocked. They've stocked how many bars and restaurants? Uh, let me find it. Hold on. They have stocked 159,000 bars and restaurants with these um, overdose kits. Wow. Okay. And uh, let me just make sure. You said something in the... I think I missed the last one. But thank you so much for clarifying that for us. Please. As I always ask, stick around for any further clarity we may need. Thank you so much. And we pray you have a blessed day if we don't have to talk to you. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, we got some stuff to talk about. Let's say good morning to our Elder Nitisha. Good morning, Elder Nitisha. Good morning. Happy wow. Day. All right, now I can hear that smile coming through the phone lines. I guess that's that fire that you got this morning yes. from praying. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> amen. 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 Oh my goodness. So we got uh, Elton Tisha, and what do you think of this new bill? that they're passing, that employers must give the 14-day notice and a written explanation. Uh, layoffs must show an economic hardship. Uh, the video and audio surveillance will not be used as easily and as quickly as before. And as Vivian said, there's some pros and cons to mm-hmm. all of this. What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with Vivian. I do see the pros and cons. Um, I think for, you know, decent, upright individuals, you know, something like this is helpful, right, for people who are trying to do the the right thing, who are there to make a living for their families or to just live, um, you know, who are upright citizens. I think that works, but then if you have individuals that are not wrapped too tight, you know, like my, my grandmother used to say, I don't think you wrap too tight. <laughs> if you're not wrapped, <laughs> remember tight, that saying. Then, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> then, um, then I think that this can really be dangerous. Um, I do think that you'll find, like, if you have to tell someone, listen, you know, this is not working out, and so you know, this is your two week notice. In those two weeks. People will start stealing stuff, start trying to take money, start mm-hmm. doing stuff to the school. Like, that just, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel safe. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I do. And then I think the other part about it is when you make it difficult by saying they can't use video, 
video has surveillance mm. has always been the proof. Like you need proof to why right. you're letting this person right. know that you're able to archive in case you know there's any type of um, repercussions because of the fact that you let someone go. You can go back to the tape and say, look, they were stealing. So now when you say that that's not good enough, then what are you requiring me to do? How do, how, do I, how do I, if you take away the things that I use to show why this is happening? And so if I catch someone stealing, you're telling me I need to give that person a two-week notice? Mm. So mm. I, I think, Mm-mm. yeah, I, I think that, that this, it has to be built out and, uh, you know, we need to redefine print, let us say. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Have they opened up a can of worms? Thank you for joining us this morning, Elder Nitisha. Let's say good morning to our lady Tamika. Good morning. Well, good morning to you. Good morning to our ladies. And of course, good morning to our listeners. We have now uh, coined Wednesday as Socially Con- Conscious Wednesday. Apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Did we lose you? Did we lose you? Ladies no, I'm good? here. I'm here. How are oh. you today? I am well. Thank you. Um, well, thank you. How are you doing over there? <clears throat> I am doing well, trying to prepare for a little of that white stuff that we call snow that should be coming any minute now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's about that time, right? It's about that time. Oh, um, yeah. You've heard this new uh, mandate that they're trying to, you know, to put in effect this new bill for employers and employees. And as we've so uh, spotted, this is going to be some good, and there's going to be some bad. What comes across your mind? Um, I, I think for those who are trying to take care of their households. Now, I, I'll, I'll be honest. In, in my former life, I remember working for a temp agency, and they let me work hard and hard, and um, the imagery – um, we're not talking about the state of New York. We're talking about another state. Um, it's called a no-fault state. So um, in New York, if you work as a temp establishment um, for, six, for a minimum of six months, they have to hire you. That's well, right. in the state That's that I, I was living that. in at the time, yeah, at the time for the state that I was living in, there are no-fault states. That means that I can work six months for you or at least uh, the – the day before and you don't have to hire me and you don't have to tell me why. So I had been working for this company for a while, dedicated, doing what I need to do. They literally let me go on a Friday, the day before the 60th day. But I had no idea that they were doing it. I was on my way to work when the temp agency called me and said, where are you? I said, oh, I'm, I'm on my way to work. Work where? I was like, well, where I've been working. We, well, you know, why are you in, interrogating me this way? They said, well, they didn't call you and tell you that they let you go. And, you know, the feeling of that, you know, I was so annoyed, you know. And so 
I said to them, you know, they could have told me. You know, why would you wait till a Friday like that? And then now I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do for the next, you know, the next week or how I'm supposed to make my ends meet, you know. And for a situation like that, when you're faithful and you're coming to work and you're doing what you're supposed to do, then I think that that's advantageous because at that point I can at least have, you know, that opening to say, okay, well, then in that time frame I'll look for a job, you know, or I'll, you know, there's some place that I've been interested in. I'll put resumes in there, you know, um, but in, in this day and age when I know you're going to let me go in two weeks, you know, with the mentality of, 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 of people that are not so sane up top, you know, um, there's a whole multiplicity of things that can happen. You're trying to figure out why, you know, computers are acting up, you know, the, the, the toilet is black, you know, backing, backing up, you know, there's all kinds of things that you go in the bathroom, the toilet, the sink won't even work at all. You know, they took the plumbing, you know, they, they, they trying to get their money's worth, you know, the coffee machine, they took the whole entire coffee machine. You get up the way to, you know, get up in there and you're starting to make coffee and there's no coffee machine. Why? Cause the employee and, and you know, because the employee knows, okay, I'm leaving in two weeks. What you going to do to me? You know, talking about going postal and you don't even work in the post office. There's all kinds of stuff that people can do, you know, and I think that it's more detrimental to those who, you know, have businesses than it is for the employees. Yeah, because if you got 13 employees, you got 13 opportunities for somebody to do something to you. Um, No, but, you know, it's kind of, you know, what you were saying about, you know, how come they didn't tell me? How come, you know, they, they could have let me go when I got there? Nah, I'm telling you, they want to, if you have a card that you swipe, they shut that down. You know, you can't get on the premises. And that's the whole uh, goal here is to protect the company and its employees. So as you so rightly said, hey, now you and Elder Knight, Tisha and Vivian have both or have all pointed out, now you let this person on the premises. So now anything goes. So I don't think this is something that they thought thought through very well. Uh, thank you for joining us, Lady Tamika. Let's say good morning to Shantice. How are you, Shantice? Good morning. Fine, thank you. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, what, what's your feedback? Okay, so I just want to make sure I'm understanding because I heard the story and I'm listening to the comments. So they are saying that regardless of the situation, everyone is going to get a notice as to when they're going to be let go. And and that's what I'm kind of, I said I was going to do some research on because I don't know if ultimately, because they may not be saying that in the article now, whether mm-hmm. every employer, sorry, employee is going to automatically get 14 days notice and a written explanation. That might be contingent on, you know, based right. on why you want to, you know, terminate, you know. So they may not have given all of that. They're just giving the information that this new bill they're pushing will also a mandate that if you want to lay off employees, you've got to show a hardship. So in other words, you can't get upset with somebody or just want to uh, uh, cut, you know, make uh, keep some money in your pocket so you just automatically lay off people. 
So you're right. going to have to give them some warning as well, in a sense. And they're saying that video and audio surveillance can't be used like it used to be used, primarily for a termination. So... Wait, they used to use yeah. video and audio to terminate you? Wait, how, how did that work? They can. They've done that. They do it all the time. And so, listen, this this country is built on even criminal behavior. What do they do when they're trying to find a a, a, a crime, uh, the answer to a crime? They go searching everybody's videos. Oh, okay. I wasn't thinking of it on that end. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Everybody, so they're saying, you know, we caught you stealing out the cash register. Oh, okay. You say, no, I didn't. They say, okay, we got you on video. They're not going to be able to use video surveillance as well and as much as they used to. And I also believe that that will probably be on some contingent level, but they're not saying it right now. Right. Oh, okay. When you said it about the video, I was like, wait, wait, how does that work? Okay. Um, Well, because I remember working at a job where they tried to do that. Like, I kept checking the schedule. I had zero shifts, like none. And then I went to file for unemployment, and you're trying to fight me. How are you trying to fight? Obviously, I'm unemployed. If I'm checking my schedule week after week after week, and there are no shifts. So how are you now trying to fight? I guess that was just their way of... I guess they were trying to have it to where they could say I quit. So if I did try to file for unemployment, I wouldn't be granted the unemployment. I don't know what, what their plan was, but it didn't work because I got the unemployment. But I, so I, I agree with, you know, it, <laughs> as the ladies have st- stated also, I agree. It would have to be contingent because you have a lot of crazy people out here now. So as much as the employer would love to, you know, cover all bases, you still have to pay attention to who you're dealing with. Absolutely, and I've said this before. Everybody know I've spent 20 years in HR, and I'm going to tell you, some of them people, you need to let go on the spot. You can't be Mm -hmm. telling somebody in two weeks we're going to let you go. What kind of mess is that? So I think when they start, you know, giving this a little more, Look, ladies. I oh, Pat, Patrick, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Vivian just sent in. She said, they said the contingencies are except where termination is for an... Now, Vivian, why are you sending these big words? <laughs> I guess crazy failure. <laughs> um, by the employee to perform their duties or for extreme misconduct. So who determines what qualifies as extreme, they do not say. I guess that word means extreme. Well, that's, that's what our job was. So in right. other words, when, when, a, when, a, when a manager or supervisor came, they, would, they have said, I want to let so go so-and-so. Well, when do you want to let them go? Now, okay, what happened? It, that, that's where you, you as the, the HR management, you have to help to guide those individuals as to how to handle the situation because I've had to stop a many. And say, well, where's the track, you know, where's the paperwork? Well, I didn't. I gave them a verbal warning. Well, now you messed up because now we have nothing in writing that says you've had to speak to this employee before. So, you know, it really had to be enforced 
listen, you got to put this in writing because now when it's time to terminate them kind of on the spot, now either I can back you up, I may have to tell you, well, we're going to have to hold on to them. (laughs) And, you know, again, certain things, certain times they would have to tell a person when they left, left work. Get back mm-hmm. in the building. So it, 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 it's really, it makes sense. That's why I was saying it had to be contingent. So what Vivian is sending in makes every bit of sense. Thanks for the clarification, Viv. All righty. Maybe Tamika, you got the leg, first leg on this one. The uh, migrants uh, be, are, being, are, are being counted in with the homeless people. They've got city workers, volunteers who are walking around counting the homeless individuals. This is an annual thing that they do. First time I'm ever hearing about it. Maybe you all have heard about it. I've never heard about it. But they're saying that two years ago, that, excuse me, there were only 2,300 who were counted to be homeless. Now, did they go in the subway? I doubt that. But in any, in any event, they're um, – saying that last year it increased to 3,400 people living on the street. And uh, our uh, mayor is saying that, you know, because they have, you know, started this, what what did we say? How many people a month? 30,000 people a month? Between four four countries, 30,000 people will hit the United States off, off boats and planes. But yet, the United States should not see a surge in homelessness. Okay. Lady Tamika. That, that just honestly, you know, as someone who is out on the streets, on a weekly basis and um, helping to feed those who don't have it. I'm looking, <clears throat> I'm looking at the numbers, you know, and so how are you coming up with the number? Are you coming up to somebody saying, are you homeless? You know, I mean, how, <laughs> how exactly are you getting your information? Because, you know, as someone who, again, feeds the neighborhood, there are people that are walking that you assume are well that are not how many abandoned vehicles if you don't live in the area you don't know that that truck somebody's living in that truck you know you have to frequent the area enough you know like there's a there's there's a um there's a truck that i'm fully aware of that you know has someone that is housed in it and has been living there for over a year the car has been parked in the same place it never moves the windows are completely surrounded by blankets and so did you knock on their window you know, did you, you you see an abandoned bed that's, you know, in the middle of nowhere, but at night somebody is sleeping under the bed to keep warm. There's all kinds of things, you know. There, there are people that walk, you know, that are homeless. They're trying to stay warm. And so how are you reaching, how is it that you're getting your numbers? What areas are you combing? What, you know, if you, if you comb this particular area, you won't see anything. But if you go one block and around the corner, I guarantee you, you'll see all kinds of stuff. And so 
I'm a little bit concerned about that, and I'm more than sure that that number is definitely not accurate. You know, if if I move, you know, let's just say let's 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 be um, mathematical with this thing. If I take some 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 balls and I move from from this place to the other place, then I have more balls in the place that I moved it to. So you mean to tell me that when you move these people from one place to this place, that now you're not going to have any issues? You also understand that when you move them, you have not provided adequate um, preparation for them, you know, whether it comes to medical care, whether, you know, health care, food, you know, the same thing that we need, they need as well. And so when they fall, you know, and I'm not saying when, let, let me say if they fall on hard times, who's going to help them? You know, you give them certain things, and then after a while, well, you've been here for such and such a time, that's all that we can do. That's the same thing that you've done with the homeless. We got homeless people that have been living out in the year, out on the street for years. Who's who's helping who? It just mm-hmm. makes me really, really wonder. I keep saying something is being given out that you. I don't know what it is, but something is being given out that you're mm-hmm. agreeable to allow people to come here and now cause more devastation to an area that's already devastated. Absolutely, absolutely. I just did the numbers, Shanti. Last year they say they counted 3,400 people living on the streets. That's an average between five boroughs. That's an average of 680 people per borough. Mm-hmm. Does that sound accurate to you? No. In the subway system alone in each borough, <laughs> how, how many people down there alone? I, I agree. What kind of census are you taking? Because it's the same way we speak about um, a lot of people who have jobs, but they can't eat because that's just a luxury that they cannot afford. So are you borderline homeless? I would consider myself borderline homeless if I'm still trying to guess if tonight is going to be the night I get to eat dinner. So there, there's no real, you know, you, you, can't, you, you can't email all the homeless people and say, okay, everybody come here at this time so we can now, you know, make a count as to how many of you there is. Like there, there's no way, you know, you can really have an accurate number like that. I'm I'm not seeing how. Okay, okay. Uh Elder Nightisha. What's your what's your take on this this uh these numbers that they're coming up with at the end of the day as to the actual yeah. homelessness? Yeah, they don't sound like, you know, like they're accurate based, uh, you know, face value, right, based on uh, individuals who are taking public transportation and who are looking, um, you know, around in our communities. I I wonder if, um, and I I have absolutely no idea about this, but I wonder if these numbers are placed in specific type of metrics. In other words, if they're looking at individuals who are truly homeless as as opposed to individuals who are out on the street with mental illness, um, who are out there because of their mental illness and not necessarily because of a shortage of jobs and, you know, places for them to stay and things of that nature. I just wonder if, if that's the matrix because other than that, then these numbers, you know, they don't make sense. 
So as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking to myself, there has to be something that is in place here that is causing these numbers to sound as low um, as they are when those of us who are living in these cities, we, are, we clearly can see that this is not factual. So I wonder if that could play a part in it. If they're looking at individuals who are really homeless due to a shortage of supply, right, of homes and jobs and things of that nature versus individuals who are choosing to leave on, live on the street because of their mental illness, because those two demographics do exist and they are not the same. Because I know that uh, there are um, individuals with mental health that they are trying to get off the street that, that refuse, that want to be out there, that because of where they are in their mind and in their inability, you know, it, well, not only that, but it's just a place where they have learned to, to dwell and be comfortable or whatever, but that, that's where they choose to be. And so no matter how many times you try to get them off the street and put them in shelter, they still go back out on the street. So I think that there are two demographics but I think that that needs to be denoted and not just put out there like, oh, you know, this, this low number, because that causes a lack of trust amongst those of us who are watching this and living in these spaces saying, like, are you really working for us? Because these numbers that you're dishing out aren't accurate, and we can clearly see it. So if there is some type of um, cue to these numbers, then that needs to be put out there as well. All right, all right, all right. I have a question for you, ladies, and I'll start with a statement. We just did a story a couple of weeks ago where the president and the powers that be from the United States have worked out an arrangement with four countries, as I said a little while ago, to, to allow 30,000 people, 30,000 individuals, between four countries to arrive here per month. Per month. 30,000 people per month. Now, prior to us allowing 30,000 people here, there was already a level of homelessness. Now, we do know that even outside of, like Elder Natisha said, the mentally ill who have decided to stay out. For many, many years ago, decades ago, we have learned that there are people who even in their, you know, in their sanity, they don't, they're homeless and they don't, they've been offered shelter and they've denied it for whatever the reason is, whatever, whatever the reason is. We've heard this decades ago. This is no new news to us. Now, Let's say that's 20% of the homeless population who have opted to be homeless. I know you got a place for me to go. I know there's a shelter. I don't want to go. It doesn't matter how good it looks, what the conditions are. I don't want to go. 20, 25%. So you've got another 75% of homeless individuals out here who are homeless because there's no place for them to go in the shelter system and they have not provided hotels. Prior to all of this, we never heard of hotels. Prior to the pandemic, 
We never heard of hotels. At least I never heard. And we, I, I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Now, you're allowing 30,000 people to come in here, and you're going to say there's no pressure for homelessness. We already had homelessness. How is there not going to be pressure in the United States on the homeless population? Because now you, order, you all of a sudden you have this thing wrapped up where we don't, we're not going to feel the pressure of 30,000 people hitting this concrete in these states going forward. Now the homelessness is wrapped up. Now we've opened up hotels and, and other areas for them to live. Does it make any sense to you, Lady Tamika? I'm going to keep this round the same. Lady Tamika? My heart just hurts for, for those who have been here, especially since the pandemic. A lot has changed financially, you know, and it, it kind of gives me that mentality that for some, you know, it's kind of like the survival of the fittest. You know, if you got it, you got it. If you don't, you don't, you know, and, and that's not the way that I want to look at it, but that is the perspective for some people because, you know, I've been here, I don't know how long, you know, the mentality is I've been here, I don't know how long. Someone gets here and they're able to get food stamps. I can't function, you know, I, I'm I'm trying, I'm allowing a, you know, a can of tuna, which, you know, if you just visualize the small can of tuna, it's not going to last very long. You know, and this is what somebody may be living off of for a week, you know, but then someone who comes from a different country, you provide them that, you, you know, um, you give them this free bike, you know, because I also heard that, you know, and so it makes it, um, it makes it complicated because then my mindset is, well, why, why try, you know, and 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 it makes me quite concerned, you know, and and, and I often say we have to pray because it'll get to the point where people are starting to fight over just your your regular basic necessities, and so you know, I really honestly do not feel that this is a good idea for an area who is already struggling. And so you keep saying, oh, we got room, we got room. Uh, where are you going to put these people, you know? Um, they keep finding new places, you know, and, and these areas are not areas that are um, popular to travel in. You know, they're, they're putting them in areas, and, and then they're moving residents who have been in shelters, you know, and, and I remember there's, there's a shelter, a women's shelter, in Brooklyn, that they moved all of the residents to Staten Island, and that makes it complicated, especially if everything that they handle, everything that they take care of, is in Brooklyn. You know, I just my heart just goes out to a bunch of people who have no control. You know, because it seems like, well, you know, we'll just do whatever. You know, and and that's a really really rough place to be in. And my heart really, you know, my heart and my prayers goes out to those who are currently being affected. All righty, all righty. Shanti, we could not care for the homeless before, but now we magically can make arrangements to pull in thousands of people, and it does not put any weight on the cities, the states, the communities, does that even sound like it makes sense to you? Absolutely not. There wasn't a plan before, 
with the people who are homeless who are from here, there's no way I'm convinced that there's a plan now that you're going to bring over people who are not from here. And my mind also went to, I don't know, it, it, there was like it was an epidemic at one point to where it was a plan to now be in a shelter, especially for young girls, whether it's because they wanted to move out of their, their parents' house or whatever. And I've said to a few of them personally, after listening to the plan, you got to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I listened. I listened. And after they finished, my immediate question was, and this is a plan, why is this a plan? <laughs> so now you're going to have to forfeit that plan because this is no longer optional because now when you go to try to, you know, you throw up the deuce sign to your mother because you tired of her, but you figure you're going to be in a shelter and then be able to, to move into whatever apartment they put you in within the next two or three or five years, um, you're not going to be able to do that because there's about 50,000 other people that's about to take that spot that you were choosing to to be in. So my mind went there also. But as far as you now having a plan to now bring all these people over here, but there has yet to still be a plan for those, again, I say, those who look like, like one of the ladies brought up, look like they're good, but I know of people who have jobs. They clock in and out every day, and yet they still don't know how they're going to eat. There has not been a plan put in place for them. So how is there now a plan for all of these other people? There's no way. Elder Natisha, I want to ask you a different question. Um, as Shantisha was talking, what do they have some hidden funds? Are they going to magically make available to everybody? Meaning, like uh, Lady Tamika said, the food stamp program. You know, if you're over $5, you don't get it. Um, it like, like it has been said, you know, if you make a certain amount of money, regardless of your true economic status after you've paid off everything, it doesn't matter. None of that is ever weighed out. All they want to do is know your growth and your family composition, and they say yay or nay from there. However, when you bring these 30,000 people over here, there has to be something that you, because you're not going to, if you're, if you're housing them, then you're going to have to give them food stamps. If you're housing them, then you're going to have to give them medical assistance. The same way people right here can get medical assistance and they've lived here and paid taxes here. Do they magically have a stash that they're now going to pull out with make available when they really could have done it before but opted not to? So I'll, I'll speak from, um, and I'm, I'm glad you asked me that question because that's actually where I wanted to go. Um, I wanted to go to this perspective of that, you know, if, if we approach this from the same regard by which we study the Bible, in other words, we don't just pluck out one scripture without identifying the tone of God throughout 
all of scripture, right? We're able to identify from Genesis to Revelation. There's a tone of God that exists throughout the Bible. I think we can use that same type of mindset to identify America. There is a tone from the very beginning conception of America all the way throughout. And it has always been about money. Money is the consistent undertone mm-hmm. of America. Yep. So if they are allowing 30,000 people to come here, there's some money involved. Yeah. There's some money involved. Because we're not friendly like that. We are cutthroat. America has proven to be cutthroat. America has proven to be an ally one day and then turn against you and join forces with the other person who seems to have the, the bigger weapons, the bigger technology. Like, we have not been faithful. We've not been loyal. We've not been consistent as a country. Unless money mm-hmm. and something that is going to suit us is involved. So that doesn't change. So when we're thinking about these 30,000 people that we are all of a sudden, we were just building walls the other day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened to the wall? Mm-hmm. We were just building right. walls. So if we've moved away from building walls, there has to be some money somewhere. There's a money exchange happening someplace. There's something in, 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 in tow in the plan that says there's some money coming to America. When I, I spent most of my career working in the field, working in community, and so when I was working in the field, working in community, I felt a different type of pressure and weight uh, because of the fact that I was working in the field, working in the community. What's interesting now is now that I have joined the national team, my responsibility is to drive the strategy for the field. So on a national basis, every day I'm in meetings and talking with different people, executive directors and things of that nature, to create strategy that they believe is going to create um, better income flow for the organization, but that's going to also support the field. Notice what I said. The first thing is whatever strategy is created, it has to create Mm -hmm. a strong income flow for the organization. Mm -hmm. And then secondary is, does this alleviate or make the work accessible Mm -hmm. and easy for the field staff? But what will Mm -hmm. always come first is that there is a strong money flow (laughs) for the organization. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I believe that to be true with America. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. They whipping out something. Somebody doing something mm-hmm. on the back end because not only mm-hmm. that, but America is doing is doing nothing for nothing. They're not they're mm-hmm. not doing anything out here, and there's nothing in return for them. And unfortunately, the, the the disadvantage comes at home front. Mm-hmm. And, and people who, you know, we had to fight for our children to get health care, but yet a child coming from off the boat, off the plane, they get 100% um, uh, uh, medical assistance. But mm-hmm. yet those parents who are here, who are paying their taxes, they have to pay an exorbitant amount of money for their children to get health care. So, yeah, there's something in it for somebody. They whipping out something, 
you know, it, it, this, this, this is, there's some angle behind all of this. And unfortunately, this is the world we live in, which is why I say you better grab Jesus because that's the only way you're going to float through this mess here. Ah, all right, ladies. We're on to the fentanyl uh, 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 overdoses. And as Vivian has given us 159,000 overdose kits in the bars and the restaurants. What's your thoughts, Shanti? Okay, so she was saying that they found out that there were these, they had these kits in bars and in restaurants. So here's what's happened. Because of this increase in um, the DEA finding all of this powder and pill prescriptions and with mm-hmm. all of the overdoses that have taken place because of the fentanyl, because of the drug use, and, you know, these people don't know what they're taking. They're dropping dead all over the place. They're overdosing. They've decided mm-hmm. to stock overdose kits in bars and the restaurants because clearly in the bars and lounges and things like this is where this activity is going on, where these things are taking place, and people are overdosing in these places. So now it's like, okay, hurry up and give them, you know, a, a, a kit to use on someone who is overdosing to help to you know, save their life, and 159,000 of these kits have been given out already. Mm-hmm. I, I th- thank you, Jesus, for taking me out the restaurants. I don't want to be serving avocado rolls, and now I got to drop the plate to get somebody some kind of CPR resuscitation for, from some drugs. I mean, it. It, I get the angle that they're trying to come from, like, okay, well, since this is happening, then let's do it there. But that that's just way too much to contend with in in, in that industry. Like, especially if you're working in a fast-paced bar, you know, fast-paced restaurant, you know, where a lot is high value, there's a lot of in and out, there's a lot. At one point, you know, you already have to contend with making sure you don't serve this guest too many drinks and I, I'm supposed to monitor you if you stumble in here there's, I can't just come right out and say you didn't have enough I'm not serving you any more drinks like there's certain verbiage I have to say to you that's just way too much way so are, are they going to be specific people for this like I now hire Mary to sit in here and monitor everyone, and in case we have to bust these kids out, then Mary and Joe and Jack are the ones who go and do this because that that's just really, like, on a day-to-day, it's really unfair to now expect these employees in that industry to be on point with that on, a, on an okay. everyday basis. That, that That's a lot. Okay. Okay. Elgin Tisha, good or bad, right or wrong, indifferent. I, I think as, as the world changes, then we have to take various precautions, right? Like, because this is a real thing, to be prepared. If we are in the business of people, then, you know, to be prepared is, is, is best. We are able to save a life, right? And so, I mean, maybe, you know, to Shanti's uh, uh, point, 
you know, you do. Maybe it's the manager who's trained on how to utilize the kits or whatever the case may be. It doesn't have to be the entire staff, but absolutely. If this is something that's taking place in our society, then I do think it's unfortunate. It is very unfortunate. And we do need to get a handle on the, the drug flow that is occurring within um, our cities. Like, how does this just happen? So, like, how, like, we, first we couldn't understand where crack came from, and that became, right, an epidemic. So now here's fentanyl just moving in. How did fentanyl move from being a drug that was utilized in hospitals under really severe mm-hmm. situations to now becoming something that is readily available on the street? And we don't know how that happened. We don't know why that happened. And we're not doing anything about it. So our first course of action is just simply to prepare in order to, to save lives. But we're not going to try to find the source of, of, of where the, this, this drug is coming from and how it's actually getting onto the streets. I think our funds would be better used to put a stop to the illegal flow of drugs within our community. But if this is something that's going on today in our society, then unfortunately, I guess, the same way we got methadone clinics <laughs> is the same way now we have to figure out how to deal with fentanyl um, overdoses. And so if someone just happens to be in your establishment and they have an overdose, at least you know what to do at the, at the bare minimum. All righty, all righty. Lady Tamika, how are we weighing in on this? Um, we are in a day and age where things are entirely different from what we are used to or what somebody else could label the norm. Um, we are at a, in a day and age where I remember when I was in school, we didn't have to practice for emergencies. There was no getting underneath the desk or, you know, hiding in a closet or whatever the case, is, you know, may be. You know, and now we, because of drastic situations and things that are occurring, we have to be conscious and we have to be aware of what we're doing. We're serving the people. And as a customer service representative, you know, it is important that you service the area. Um, I, I have a friend of mine that works at an establishment that serves alcohol, especially if you, especially if you're an establishment that serves alcohol. Um, you have to be concerned about those that are coming in. And, 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 you know, there are many instances where you're looking at somebody and you're going, mm, Sally doesn't look so good, you know. And then at that point, what do you do? You know, we've also seen situations where, you know, the, the staff has been wise enough to prevent a life from being phased out because, you, you know, you look at a girl and you send her a cup and, you know, if, if you're uncomfortable and you need help, take the top off the cup. You know, these are things that are important. And I do understand Shanti's voice, point that, you know, it, it's a lot of responsibility. However, um, I think it is important, you know, because those are the settings where those things happen. You know, um, the, the dear friend of mine, she works as a manager, and she can tell you many of instances where, you know, either the person came in already inebriated or... They came out when they were on their way out. They were literally, you know, you could tell when somebody has gotten to their limit. And so did you have something before you got here? You know, and now when you get here, you get this this little touch of something that aids to what you've already had. And at this point, we can't let you go. 
you know, we have to find either a way for you to get home, you know, and, and, and in an instance like that, if, if that's something that you need, then have somebody designated to do that. And then here comes the other thing. If you're doing that now, do you have to pay another individual that has a different um, title to do such thing? Because, you know, you, you don't want everybody to start, you know, puncturing people with, needles or what, however they're doing it, you know, um, to save a life is beneficial, but just be careful when you do it. And, and there, I, I know there has to be a step in, you know, on how to do that. And so you have to now um, find a way to employ somebody to do that. Their job literally is all day to ensure that, you know, people are looking right, sounding right, you know, acting right, moving right. Ah, oh, a lot's been said here. And, uh, I happen to agree with um, the latter um, and the and the beginning. You, you have an establishment. You want to be able to make your money like this. Unfortunately, this comes with the territory. You you know that this is what happens on your premises, and you know what I say: hire somebody. Um, an additional staff member, but everybody on the job does not know CPR. And you, it, it's like any other job. You, you, you have 15 employees, five are trained, three are trained to do CPR. It's the same thing you do now. You just hire another individual and you add that person on to your personnel, but that person will have that primary focus of administering this in case. Um, any of this overdose takes place. Um, um, and, and the first thing I thought about was what Elder Natisha said. So you didn't hand it out 159,000 tips. How much more dollars are you going to put towards how all of this is even happening? Because, see, the problem is you're being reactive now. You're not being proactive. We wouldn't need 159,000 tips if y'all paid more attention as to how this stuff was even coming into being popular. Fentanyl is and originated as a pain medication primarily. So how did all of this now become, you know, so rampant that, you know, it's out of control and it's in everybody's hands so easily? So this this country has got work to do. And now your individual businesses have now got to aid the problem so it might be a little you know weighty as Shanti said but guess what you want to be in the business you will have to help take care of this problem so uh that, that's just the bottom line I agree with all of you you know listen let's get this done and call it a day we're gonna go um to the woman who was wrongfully accused um and arrested and my my thing is, I need to know what's a stress ball. And, and that's what I meant. Remember I said, but someone wanted to ask Vivian, what's a stress ball? Who can tell me what a stress ball is? I don't, I don't know. I was wondering when she was, <laughs> she was explaining the story. So it's, it's like, a, a it's actually, it's, so it's actually used to, for calming. It's almost like. With um, oh, something you place in the okay. palm, palm in your hand, and you're squeezing on you. it to re- uh, to relieve yes. boredom, to relieve stress, 
to kind oh, of center okay. yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. I it's like that little gooey thing that you just continue yes. to squeeze and woosah. Right. Yes. Thank you. Okay. 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 I thought that may have been what it was, but I'm like, what, what are you, how are you cutting that open for drugs? I, I don't. Good right. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. All right. So we we have this woman who. Well, stop for jaywalking. First of all, at what point in, in the jaywalking process do cops even get an, uh, uh, the allowance of going in your pocketbook? You'd have to arrest me from that. Now, you're not opening up my pocketbook because I crossed the street uh, diagonally or in a way you didn't. How do we even get there? That's the first question that I asked. That he asked her to go in her pocketbook, and she said yes. You'd have to arrest me, and I'm not playing. Pastor Steph would be arrested. I need to know why you in my pocketbook. Mm-hmm. If you saw me, you didn't see me sniffing. You didn't tell me you saw me staggering. You said I was jaywalking. Now you've arrested her. Now it takes you one month, really? One month mm-hmm. to find out the, the pure content. Um, of the stress ball, if you will, or what's in the stress ball or whatever you found in her pocketbook. And then you now spend an additional four months in jail or whatever they call it, jail prison, it's all the same to me, in jail for now, like Vivian said, okay, so now y'all trying to make quota, but it now just costs over a million dollars. Natisha, you got the first leg on this one. Uh, that's unbelievable. This story is so bothersome on so many levels mm-hmm. because it's to the use of authority. It speaks mm-hmm. to the infringement mm-hmm. on another privacy. It speaks to the disrespect of human life and freedom. It speaks to, like, mm-hmm. it is just on so many levels that I could be walking down the street and an officer, the, your purpose. Let's just let's let's just set things in order. Your purpose. I pay you. My taxes pay you to protect and to serve. So the moment that you do anything other than to protect and serve, you are out of order. And so this mm-hmm. idea that officers have that gives them this god complex that makes you think that in the snap of a finger. You can infringe upon another person's privacy and freedom, and then we have a justice mm-hmm. system that backs that. Allows it. Is That's ridiculous. Right. That's right. That's right. Is ridiculous. And it, mm-hmm. it leads to a huge problem. And then, and 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 y- y'all, you know where I go because then I start wanting to know was race involved because what this have happened in in another community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. there were means for an attorney immediately, where this person was able to call a family member and they were able to get a high-paying attorney on the case immediately, where that person have spent no five days, right. even twenty-four right. to forty-eight hours right. behind right. The, behind right. Uh, right. door right. locked door, right, 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 right. right. So, so <laughs> we're we're talking about a, a, a multiplicity of of problems here. That exists in this mm-hmm. one story. Yep. Infuriating. Absolutely. It's infuriating. 
It is. It is very much so. I still can't get past the point that, because you know what's funny? That I, I always try to watch how I cross the street. Because, see, my, my, my motto is don't even give these people a chance to even approach you. So mm-hmm. I constantly, because I always say I only got a thousand steps a day, I try to cut corners as much as I can. So I always <laughs> keep in mind, I'm not lying, I always say I got a thousand steps, I got to use these thousand steps wisely. So I always, when I'm walking the street, of course, the street a certain way, I always say, look, you know, look around, make sure, you know, after I started the process already, because then I've, I've been and forgot to get to the corner. And I said, I'm always ready to say, listen, I, I can show you my red, white, and blue card. I'm trying to get from one point to another as quickly as possible before I pass out in the street. And mm-hmm. I think if I have a disability, but I got to really make sure that I'm crossing the street the right way because if you walk up on me, you can actually ask me to open up my pocketbook. I still can't get past that point. I'm still right. not past that one. Mm-hmm. Um, can I see your ID? Right to the ticket. I, I, I'm okay. I'm going to give you my ID. But, no, but then you say I need to go through the bag. I can't. I can't. Uh, uh, Elder and I teach, I'm enraged as well because, like you said, that's yeah. where we start. That's where we yep. start. That ain't where we end. Mm-hmm. With several things that you said, Lady Tamika, take it off before Pastor Steph keeps talking and I can't stop. But <laughs> I, I, I thought the same thing that Elder Natisha said because I said to myself, "What? What was it that that made you feel like you have that type of authority? You know, was it my mm. skin tone? You know, that was a very the, the first thing that I thought about because." You know, the the life that we live, let's let's just be realistic, is, is entirely different. Things that other people mm. can get by with, we cannot. Mm. You know, um, mm. for yep. me to, yep. um, I, I've seen instances where on one side of the fence, you can come as an officer and I can say to you, I don't have to get out of my car. However, if it's on our side of the fence, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. You'll shoot me before you even ask me a question. You know, and right. and so my thing is, you know, it's a different world, you know, and, and even where I, you know, where we are now, I, I have a habit. I oh my gosh, if you ever saw my bag, there's millions of things that I that I just I'm I, I'm used to carrying a whole lot of stuff. You you get tired just you know. I, I purposely when we go to certain settings, I take a lot of things out of my bag because I know me, you know, and I always got a whole lot of stuff. But I mean to to even ask me. To open up my bag, what does my bag have to do with me jaywalking? Right. You didn't right, see me cheater right, or right. potter. You didn't see me right. mumbling to myself. You didn't see my balance off. There was nothing about me that says, oh, we need to stop her. And then search my bag. So uh, then after that, what happens? A, switch, uh, a strip search? You know, it makes me really concerned. Like, yeah. you know, your authority, your authority should have some form of limit. And unfortunately, in our um uh, dynamic, that is not the case. You can strip mm-hmm. search. You can tell me mm-hmm. to put my hands on the dashboard. Mm-hmm. You can tell me to do all kinds of stuff. We have seen it over and over and yep. over again. And it's really concerning, extremely concerning. Absolutely. There's no limit. And like Elder Natisha said, and what you're alluding to, the allowance that you don't even get the precinct and somebody look at you and go, really? Okay, well, you know, we're sorry, ma'am. 
you know, we, we mm-hmm. gonna let you go. We don't even get there. Right. It goes further and further, and and then the judge doesn't even help. Where do you right. get help from? Where is the limit gonna? It's like everybody. It's a free for all. Dante, I, I need to stop. My head hurts. Give us what you got. Give us what you got. Now we all seen the movies where there's a drug deal going down, and before the money gets exchanged, somebody done took a, a knife or a blade out to bust open the keys of the coke, whatever it is, and test it right there on the spot to test the authenticity of this drug. They do that in five seconds. It took y'all a month to see if this was really drugs. No, what it was was y'all were looking for the next set of drugs for y'all to, to, to invest and or sell, and it took y'all a month to turn a profit. So now that y'all done accomplished your goal, now you keep her in there for another four months to cover up whatever y'all did, and now you released her. Ain't no way. It takes a month. This is not back in the 80s. This ain't even back in the early 90s. The de- all the technology and everything else out here now, it took you 30 days to test the authenticity of this drug or whatever of this substance, whatever it was. So then you, you, so it took you a month to find out it was baby powder or whatever it was. That's, that's, that's bogus. You're lying. I completely agree as well. Why, and it's like you're, you're caught between a rock and a hard place in a sense, too, because you stop me from jaywalking. Okay, I have no business jaywalking. But is it really that serious? No. Oh, but okay. You stop me, and then you, oh, can I go through your bag? You sure can't? Why? So now, then I'm a hostile. Now this turns to a hostile situation because <laughs> I don't want you to go through my bag. Now, according to you, I'm resisting arrest. Now I, I'm, I'm assaulting a police officer. Now you feel you have the right to slam me on the ground and all that. It just becomes too much too quick for no reason because you have a bunch of punks with badges now and everyone feels the need to just display this fake authority they have it in their mind. And all you were doing was just trying to comply but still stand your ground as a citizen. It, it, it is just straight bogus to me with that whole... Oh, I, I, have, I just want to see what's, what's in your bag, and it took us a month. Them cops used or sold those drugs. There's no way you're going to tell me it took anyone a, an entire month to figure out if that was really drugs or not. Mm. Had she died in jail. Right. A bogus arrest. Family would have been getting a whole lot more than a million dollars. And, and that and that that was another thing, Pastor Steph. If we don't stop accepting this money, because that's the main reason why nothing happens to these cops. They they offer the settlement, or you go to court and you win the money, and that's it. No, there there has to be where there is some real we're persistent with making sure that something is really done because they're going to do this to someone else that they haven't already since then. They're going to do this to someone else next time, God forbid, it may be a teenager. Next time it may be an adolescent. They're going to keep doing this, and it's nothing for them. We've been over this with the last few stories last year. It don't mean nothing to them because this money that they're giving out is not coming from anyone personally. 
So that's another reason why it doesn't bother them to just give this money. If we stop collecting this money and just mm-hmm. accepting it and really keep pushing to make sure that things get changed, then things will start changing. If you keep pacifying me with this money, they just keep doing whatever they're doing and giving you money off a petty cash account, and it is what it is. I think they need to start taking it from these officers. I don't yeah, think they I need agree. to stop giving the money. They need to stop. Mm-hmm. Take, they need to stop taking the community money and take it from the officer. If you've got to give up That's your right. pension, and now your uh-huh. family has to suffer, it's all. If you know, and and uh-huh. we don't want to say the children got to suffer, but somebody's got to pay until mm-hmm. they start mm-hmm. seeing that it's hitting home. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sorry. I want my dollar. I want my million. I yeah, do not agree me. with that. Good morning, good morning. How are you today? And I want my money now, too. I was going to ask you, do you want your money? Yes, yes, yes. We agree, we agree, we agree. Um, what you got for us today with this faith over fear? You know what? I'm going to give you, you know, whatever story you want. Faith over fear. I'm sorry, you went out on my side. Say that again. You choose the story. Tell us which story you're choosing, 
and then you give the faith over fear on that story. Okay, um, I want to go with the last one about them um, going in her pocketbook. My thoughts, when y'all was talking about it, um, it took me to remember when they used to stop and frisk just people, period, just walking down Mm -hmm. the street. Um, It took me back to that because I had an experience with my son, um, and my son was just walking down the street, and when he was walking down the street, um, it's a coat that uh, his father had bought him, and he was a, a teenager. And at the time, we didn't know that it was a drug dealer coat. Um, I don't even remember the name of this coat, but this coat is where it has a lot of pockets on the inside. It has a lot of pockets on the outside. So what they did was they picked him up, and they put him in the police car, in the police van, and they drove my son around for hours. We didn't know where he was. They wouldn't allow him to call nobody or nothing. So he, they asked him questions about his parents, and he told them that, why, first, why are you going in my pockets? Why you stop me? And then that's how they ended up throwing him in the, in the van. And then he was telling them that his parents worked. And he said, well, you know what kind of coat you got on? So he was like, no, but it's warm. My son has a, a mouth on him. So I know it was nothing but God that covered him because I know his mouth. And finally, what happened was they were looking for him, don't know where he's at. And so finally they said to him that you're lying and your parents don't work. You know, your, your parents is probably on drugs, selling drugs. Um, and they took him through this whole thing, just questioning him. And what, how he ended up getting out the van is because when they went to drop him off, now they didn't even take him to the precinct. What they did was they rode him around and dropped him in an unfamiliar place, and he had to find a way to get his father. Because at that time, I think I was at work. And when they dropped him off, it just so happened not to be too far where he was able to walk to get to a phone. Um, and when he got there, he was able to call his dad. So we wanted to know what precinct that he was at because he was in the area of where we live, but they didn't drop him in Harlem. They dropped him, I think it was like somewhere way up in the Bronx somewhere. So we had to do a whole lot of things um, to get to him. And then also to try to find out, but we never found these police officers. So I say that to say how when we think that we're just walking down the street where we have to be very careful, and I've seen how they talk to people of not just jaywalking, but just, hey, you, come here, and want to go into your stuff. And if we don't know our rights and stand on our rights, and be able to, but it does. It goes from that to where that you exist in the rest, right? But my thing is, how can we, right, be in our in our right and also, right, and not get arrested? And I'm with you, Steph. They would, Pastor Steph, I'm sorry. They would have to take me down there and then for her to sit in there for months because you know that these, whether they are drugs or not, 
my thing was too, just like Shanti said, I think that they took some and was going to sell it. I think that it goes through command, right, because of the fact that a lot of times, even if you say that they have so much drugs, that they don't turn it all in. Now, either you could be a user or are you been watching her and know her pattern? Because sometimes we have a pattern, and a lot of times we don't think about that. I know I've seen her. I've been watching her. Does it make it right? Of course not. And I think that that's what a lot of things that because that I can, because I have a badge, because I have a gun, and that's frightening for us as just human beings. It doesn't matter what age you are, right? So, therefore, that even in the mix of that being said, that we have to be so careful, staying prayed up, knowing Christ, cover ourselves in the blood, always knowing, have that spiritual discernment, should I go this way? Should I not go that way? And a lot of times it will tell us not to do something, but we'll get so caught up in busyness in our mind that we will continue to keep going. And a lot of times we have to watch out for our surroundings of what is going on and being able to have that person on speed dial where I'm able to hit and being able for you to hear my conversation where that I have a witness. Do we have to live like that now? Yes, because things are happening. And with that, if you get to a place and you are by yourself, you have to have somebody that's going to. And a lot of now people are not into that. So we have to be so careful and being able to, to be able to know that Christ is walking with you. And this is time that we have to trust and believe that the Lord has us and have to be able to know, cover our children, cover our family, cover those in the workplace, cover when you're walking down the street, cover when you're in the store, because things are getting that bad, where that they will accuse you of something that is not true. Look how we walk in the store as colored folks, right? We walk in the store, and they write up on the back of us, depending on which store you're going into. So my person my prayer on today is for us all to be able to have that spiritual discernment, to be able to call on Christ and know him for yourself and be able to watch where you go and being able to not only that and be alert. You always have to have somebody ready on that speed dial where that they can hear the conversation so where that you can have a witness. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sean, for that word today. And we pray you have a blessed day. You do the same. Thank you. All right. Let's hold hands and hold hearts and go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. We thank you because you've been so awesome in all your ways, dear God. We just thank you because... This is not our personal testimony. We are not telling the story um, of someone just arbitrarily stopping us. And we spend months in jail because at the end of the day, yes, we want our money. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we don't want the experience. And we thank you, God, because it could have been us. But you prevented it, dear Heavenly Father. It could have been our sons. It could have been our brothers. It could have been our daughters. It could have been anybody, any one of our loved ones. But it's not. 
it hasn't been. And we thank you, God, that we can actually sit and discuss it, and we are not the discussion. So, Lord, we thank you for waking us up with brand new tender mercies, dear God. Thank you for waking us up in our right frame of mind, God. Thank you so much, dear Heavenly Father, for touching upon us and 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 helping us to say yes to your will and yes to your way each and every day, God. Because it has to be a conscious thought that we wake up with, that we continue to give ourselves to you one more time. This can't be a commitment we made two years ago, two weeks ago, and we leave it there. We've got to make sure that we wake up with you on our minds, Heavenly Father, thanking you for all that you've done for us, how you kept us even overnight, God, how you have kept us, God, in our bed, and the phone didn't ring with an emergency, God. Thank you that we didn't have someone break in. Thank you, God, that we did have food, that we did have shelter, that we do have clothing, God. Thank you that all of our needs are met. You promised to never leave us nor forsake us, God, and we say thank you today. Thank you for this moment, dear Heavenly Father. Lord, we've talked about several different things on this broadcast this morning. Just a migrant, God. Thank you that we're not a migrant, that we're not homeless. Even though the finances dwindle down, that we may not know, as Shanti said, that we could even get a meal, but you feed us anyhow. You God, that we are not hungry. You Father, even though we have to struggle sometimes, but you always come through. We still have that medical assistance, we still have that food on the table. We still have that job, God. We are lifting up every employer right now, God. The millions and billions of employers, God, for them to properly cover their employees. That there would be no selfishness, no ill-gotten gains. There would be no shifty behavior, God. We're lifting up every billion of these employees, God, that if they put this to uh, uh, enforcement that they're not going to be thinking ahead as to how to, to sabotage the company or other employees, God, that this, this, this new bill would be put in in its proper order, that whatever contingencies need to be built in, God, we are just handing these people, these, these bill makers to you, God, so that you can speak to them, dear Heavenly Father. That you can dictate what they do. God, the word, your word says that these people have been put in authority by you. We're asking that those who are just putting a, a, a pen to the paper and coming up with these new rules and laws, that they do it the right way. We're asking you, dear Heavenly Father, that you cover these places of, uh, of business that now have these kits in their possession. We ask you, God, to first, excuse me, minimize the need for it. There is a need to Heavenly Father. We ask you to just put the proper people in place that they can help more than they can harm. We're just grateful today, God, again, that the stuff that we're talking about is not us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We lift Lord Jacob up before you, dear Heavenly Father. 
We ask you, God, to just cover his little life. We pray that the treatments that he's been receiving, God, that they are going well and that his body is being healed by the touch of your hand, by the blood of Jesus, by the doctor's uh, knowledge and wisdom and by whatever medicine he's been given, God. We understand that, that it all has to work hand in hand. It all has to work hand in hand. And his little body can take but so much. But we ask you, God, to just strengthen him. Just equip his little body to receive all of the treatment that he's getting and that he will need. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for everybody who ministers on this broadcast from Monday through Friday, God, that you have uh, uh, touched upon each and every one of us, that we put you first. It's not about our opinion, but it's about your will and your way, and that we take our spirit and gel it with yours, God, so that we can say, we can think, we can act. We can speak the right things. We can feel the right things. And it would not be out of alignment of what you would have us to do as your people. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us the way. Thank you for just, just raising up your spirit in us that makes us realize we got to pay attention. Thank you, Father. We ask you to bless every listener, God, that they would be doers not just hearers of your word, that they could be out making a difference right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hmm. Again, so much. (laughs) So much we talk about from, you know, one morning to the next. And uh, these conversations are needed to be had by us because people are listening. You know, I just got to this in a little while ago that uh, the pastor who put himself in the grave was from Zambia and we are actively in Zambia with listening, listeners. And I, when I tell you I'm checking these numbers, these numbers are increasing like crazy. Somebody is not only listening, but someone is finding value in what we're saying. That they keep listening to another episode and another episode and another episode. We we can't be more blessed than that. You know, how many times in our life have we been on a job and we don't feel right? We don't feel like they're valuing our service and they're appreciating us. That's a common complaint in the workforce, you know, or I'm just here to pay the bills or I'm just here um, because I ain't got nothing else to do. I'm here, you know, because it's better than retirement. You know, many reasons why people are on a job, but many ways and reasons they're unhappy and I have to say that this is our job. You know, whether, you know, you hang up, you know, we have uh, Brother Al who's always on the job when they call, Pastor KL, on the job when they call. 
and they're doing their secular job, but this here is truly God's work. You know, we've got to have to have his people everywhere, but this here is truly God's work. For those who hang up from the broadcast and they go to work, and we've just gotten finished ministering, again, it's God's work. It's our job. You know, I, I used to be upset because after the broadcast, I got to go to sleep. <laughs> I need a nap. And, you know, I said to people, to, to be on your feet, thinking um, and being on your game every day, Monday through Friday, that, that ain't a small feat. And I'm just exhausted. And at one point I was kind of beating myself up because I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm not waking up sometimes until 1230, 1 o'clock. And my day is quote-unquote shot. And then one day the Lord had to say, you've been at one job already. Stop forgetting that you're on a job. you got to get up a little earlier to prepare. You've got to be on for two straight hours. Then, you know, you need that, that reprieve before you go into your next phase, your second job. You're working more than one job. And I never thought about it like that. I was just like, oh, my goodness. Your body needs the rest that it needs. And when we think about stuff like this, we think about how crucial it is that we're left alone to do the job. And what I, what I mean when I say that is we're jaywalking. Didn't think about it. We jaywalked, and now we're dealing with the authorities who are going above and beyond the call of duty. And yet... We have to focus on what God has us doing. The enemy is using all of these things. Make no mistake about it. The enemy is using all of these things to distract us from our job. I always say to you, when you're messed up mentally and emotionally, God gets no glory out of your life. When you got to deal with the authorities and now you sit up in jail for a month and then you sit up in jail for another four months and then when you get out of jail, your life has been turned upside down. Now you got to get yourself back in its proper mode. Now you got to get your head back in the game. The enemy has now disturbed progress. Now we're not saying that God won't get you back on track. We're not saying that you know, God won't get any level of glory out of that overall experience. However, that there's a disturbance. Now, whether God turns it around for his good or not is something different. But the enemy is using all of this stuff to disturb us. So let's be on God. Let's be on God. Let's get and do what we need to do so we can make sure we're staying on point for the Lord. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my ladies today who always come through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us today and helping us do what we do. 
please do not miss the opportunity to give God your life right now. Do not miss the opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later it's not promised to us. Until tomorrow, when it's therapeutic Thursday, God says our life, I love you. Thank you.